0: Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's word. Please join us now as we hear a message from Pastor Toledo. Praise the Lord, hallelujah. Happy Resurrection Sunday to all. Come on, let's praise the Lord one more time. Amen, and I wanna begin by wishing everyone on our online family a happy Resurrection Sunday. This is a very special historic day for us because for the first time, we are worshiping Resurrection Sunday as one church in two cities. So come on, let's give a shout out to everyone in Philadelphia. We love you, God bless you. We're so excited that we could share <clears throat> this very special day together. Now listen, before I, I get into our message, I heard that Wilson Colazzo was here. And let me tell you something. This brother is such a man of God. He's such a servant in the house of God. And while he was serving here, he uh, had an accident and was really, um, it was very, very serious and we were praying round the clock. Um, it's been a couple months now, but he's here. I heard he's here. Come on, brother. Come on, stand up. Come on, let's cheer for Wilson. Let's go. Hallelujah, I love you, brother. Love you. Praise the Lord. We're so excited that he could be here, be here with us. And can I tell you, this year, the theme of the resurrection season has been the revelation of the resurrection. The revelation of the the resurrection. And here's why. It's because it's possible to hear and know about the personalities, some of the realities, some of the stories of the resurrection, but still not fully understand it. And can I tell you something? The resurrection has to be personal in order for it to be powerful. But when you get a true revelation of the resurrection, that's when you experience transformation from the inside out. The Bible said thousands of years ago, it was written, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And the resurrection is about freedom that Jesus brings. Come on, put your hands together just for a moment because he's alive to set us free. Hallelujah. And can I tell you something? Today, I want to encourage you. How do you listen to an Easter Sunday message like this? You pay very close attention, and the key is you need to seek to understand and receive revelation. Imagine the biggest miss of, of all time would, would be to miss the power of the resurrection, And you don't want to miss it. In life, we're like, man, that was a big miss or that was a big miss, but there is no miss like this miss. And here's the thing. This is even for believers. When you accept Jesus, there should be this never-ending, unfolding revelation of the resurrection. That's how we keep growing in God. That's how we get stronger in God. And that's how we get used more and more by God through revelation and I'm here to tell you right now in Philadelphia Jesus meant for it to be personal and powerful Jesus didn't die on the cross so it could be information he wanted it to be revelation hallelujah and so here's the interesting thing the disciples who were people just like us the disciples were with him for three years they, they received teaching from the God-man himself and they almost missed it. They almost missed it. And I wanna go back 2,000 years and go to resurrection morning. John chapter 20, beginning with verse one. And honestly, when I read this, you would think after all of the prophecies, after all of his teachings, that they would have got it. But watch this. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. This was a massive, heavy stone. And by the way, it was guarded by Roman soldiers. Okay, so the stone had been removed. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, which is John, the actual writer, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. Now, why would she ask that when he already said he was gonna rise from the dead? It's because they still didn't get it. They didn't understand. They had all the information, but they were lacking revelation. Let's keep going. It says... Uh, <clears throat> we do not know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciples started out, started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen cloth. they still did not understand from scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. What are we talking about today? Why is this day uh, uh, so vitally important? Why is this the most important event in all of history? It's because Jesus had to rise from the dead, but even those close to him, they still didn't get it. They still didn't understand. And it says, the disciples went back to where they were staying and they were going business as usual. And I just want to let you know, Jesus would go on to appear to them multiple times. He appeared to over 500 people before he ascended back into heaven. Jesus rose from the dead in glory and in power. But even from (laughs) back then till today, listen, the key is personal revelation. It's personal revelation. So look, I want to pray for a moment. We honor God's word here. And I want to pray, and here's the way I want to pray. If you're watching online, anybody who's watching in Philadelphia, right? Why not just say, hey, I'm here. Maybe you haven't been to church in a while. Maybe this is your first time. Maybe you're just tuning in. doesn't really matter where you are. If the spirit of the living God is here, if Jesus really rose from the dead in power, and then he sent his spirit to the earth, why not have, why not give him 25 minutes of your thought life? to see who he is and what he may wanna do in you personally. I want you to know that all throughout history, Jesus in every age has impacted and transformed lives. So look, let's take a moment, close your eyes and let me pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for my brothers and sisters in Philadelphia I thank you for everyone watching online, and I thank you for everyone here. And Lord, because you are the all-sufficient, ever-present God, your spirit is here and there and everywhere. Your spirit is at home with people that are watching. Maybe they're watching from the office. Your spirit is there. And I pray that this would be a day of understanding. I pray that this would be moments of revelation. Bless this word, O God, and bless our time as we unfold it in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen and amen. We wanna make sure that we get the revelation that Jesus wants for us to have. That's the title of the message today, the revelation of the resurrection. Now, I want to start by admitting that there have always been con jobs and hoaxes and Ponzi schemes. You know, I think about April Fool's just passed. And when I was um, in college, uh, I was playing baseball in Texas. And um, I remember Sports Illustrated pulled off the greatest April Fool's Day uh, hoax, I think, ever ever done before. When the, when the magazine was issued on April 1st, they put out a major story called The Curious Case of Sid Finch. And so it was this guy, you see, he's barefoot. This was a very unique guy. The story went out. Uh, here, here, I remember being on the field practicing with a number of guys that ended up playing professional baseball, playing in the big leagues, coaches. One of our coaches was a Hall of Fame coach, National College Hall of Fame. And there was this big debate because the, as the story went, is this guy could pitch 168 miles an hour. Now, the fastest pitch ever thrown was right, right around 105 miles an hour. And so I threw like in the mid 90s and I'm thinking, how could someone throw almost twice as hard as that? And we're talking and debating. So I believe it. I, I get it. And the thing about this guy is that he was very, very unique. There he goes throwing barefoot again because look, it says he's a pitcher. He was part yogi and part recluse. They said he came from Tibet. They don't play baseball in Tibet, but that's where he came from. (laughs) And it says he was impressively liberated from our opulent lifestyle, and he didn't even decide yet if he wanted to pitch in the major leagues. Sid was deciding about choosing yoga or baseball in his future. And so, I'll tell you a little bit more about this clip in a moment. So here's what happened. Multiple teams sprung into action. They were trying to find out who is this guy. There was a radio talk show host who claimed to actually have seen him pitched. Senators were saying, I wanna meet with this guy. They said he he played the French horn. This dude was deep. (laughs) So, it lasted on, a, on April 8th, a week later, Sports Illustrated announced that he retired. And then on April 15th, 1985, they admitted that it was an April Fool's Day joke. That was really, really good. And we laughed so much. And George Steinbrenner of the Yankees was so upset. He was probably upset because he was trying to buy the guy right out of the shoot. But listen, here's the funny thing. When you look at this, at this, the first letter of each keyword or something like that spells out Happy April Fool's Day. <laughs> Master hoax. It was masterful. But it lasted two weeks. Nowadays, somebody runs a Ponzi scheme FTX, cryptocurrency or or uh, uh, Bernie Madoff, it lasts about two years and then the con gets exposed. But I'm here to declare you, Jesus Christ for 2000 years has stood the test over and over and over. (laughs) Jesus is no April Fool's Day joke. You need to pay attention. How do you view Jesus? That is the question of the hour. How do you view Jesus? What do you know? What do you see about Jesus? some people have said that he was a con man or a mythological figure and i'm here to tell you if you feel that way you're the one who's been conned because anyone who takes a serious look at who jesus was knows that he actually came to the earth and he did deeds of love and power and glory and healing and transformation he was real he was here he was no mythological figure All you've got to do is take a serious. Don't listen to what other people say. Look for yourself. Understand for yourself because revelation is personal. In Philadelphia, in Chicago, wherever you find yourself, it's personal. Some people gave him a little bit more, great teacher or even prophet, but even those fall short. Jesus was the risen Savior of the world. He was the Son of the Most High God. And I get it, I get it that there have been all sorts of things said, but when revelation is personal, because revelation has to be personal, it requires a personal inquiry. Not what you've heard. See, some people are not cynical. We live in a very cynical world, but some people, they are sincerely lacking understanding. I became a Christian when I was 17 years old. And I remember I felt compelled to read um, Malcolm X's autobiography. And um, it was interesting because about halfway through the book when I was reading about Malcolm X, man, I I really started rooting for him. And I started rooting for him because I felt like Malcolm X reminded me of the Apostle Paul. Do you know that the apostle Paul started out as a persecutor of Christians? Do you know he killed Christians? The one who wrote half of the New Testament. But see, he lacked understanding. He lacked revelation. Until one day that he received the revelation, he, had a, he experienced Jesus for himself and then he was transformed to become one of the greatest leaders of the Christian church after Jesus. And when I was watching, when I was, uh, you know, I was, you know, when you read a book really well, it's like, almost like you're watching it. When I'm watching the story of Malcolm X unfold, did you know that he was very devout? He experienced this conversion in, in prison. And then he, he got next to the leader of the nation of Islam. And when he got close to him, he realized that the guy was a phony. The guy was he he was messing around with women, even underage girls. And guess what Malcolm did? Malcolm didn't look away. Malcolm stood up and said, That's wrong. That goes against our faith. He called them out. He kind of turned tables all over the place. They got so upset, upset with him, they actually censured him. Because the difference between Malcolm and followers is that Malcolm was after the truth. Here's a question: Are you after the truth? And then listen to this, when they censured him, he went to Arabia, and for years and for many seasons, he was like, I don't like white people or people from other races, etc." But he went to Mecca, and when he went and worshipped there, he saw people of every color, and then he said, guess what? I lacked understanding again. All people of all colors can worship, and he all of a sudden, he changed because he was sincerely seeking truth. He was like Jesus. He was like God is for everybody. How many believe God is for everybody, every tribe, every tongue? <clears throat> he was causing so much ruckus that they killed him. They cut him off. I I personally believe that that uh, that he would have definitely become a Christian because he was seeking understanding and truth. He was on his way defining the truth. And someone would say, wait a second, he wasn't a Christian. Why would you be rooting for Malcolm X? Let me tell you why I was rooting for Malcolm X. Is because Jesus is rooting for anyone who's seeking understanding. Anybody, no matter what they're doing, no matter where you are, no matter what you believe, Jesus, if you want the truth, Jesus is rooting for you. And by the way, where would I be if Jesus wasn't rooting for me when I was lost? How many, how many would say amen? Praise God for, for the kind of God that Jesus is. And so some people um, are sincere, but they lack understanding. Some are a lot more like uh, a Seinfeld uh, Seinfeld episode. So I just, I wanna know, I want you to know, Seinfeld was the most watched show in history I found out. I never watched it. However, preachers, they listen to everything and they learn from everything. (laughs) And I heard about one episode. And I got to tell you about this episode even though I didn't see it. Is that kind of strange? But just humor me. <laughs> so I heard about this episode and I loved it. And I feel like it, it was a reflection on the American culture. Okay. So here's what happens in the episode. So they, uh, a new yogurt-free shop. No, dairy. Dairy-free. Uh, fat-free. I'm sorry. It was a yogurt store. It was fat-free. And um, it was so delicious. All of the characters were going crazy and they were eating it like by the bucket full. And one of them said, uh, this is too good to be true. And they're like, there's something wrong about this. And then they, they started an investigation and they started getting things tested. In the meantime... Um, I was told there's a scene where one of the guys who's been eating so much, you know, this fat-free yogurt, he walks in and his friend hadn't seen him in a while. His friend said, whoa, you gained about 10 pounds, bro. He's like, what are you talking about? You know? So anyway, it comes out, it's exposed that it was a scam and uh, that thing was not fat-free, that was fat full. (laughs) But here's the punchline of the of the. Of the whole episode. The punchline was that when it was exposed, everyone was angry, not with the storekeeper, they were angry with the one who exposed it because they said, Why did you tell me I can't have my fat free yogurt anymore? Even if it's fat full. And can I tell you something? That's the way our country is. And I want to challenge you not to be like that. I want to challenge you to be a seeker of truth for yourself. I want to challenge you not to listen to what people say, but have your own mind and your own heart about this thing. Some people don't want to hear the truth. We're living in a day where someone who gets up at a a university commencement speech, if he says something that the students don't agree with, they boo him off the stage. And here's my challenge to the students. If you're so right, what are you afraid of? Come on, we need to be open to the truth. Only the truth will set you free. Don't build up walls, be open. And if you're standing on the truth, you can handle anything. So let's talk about Jesus for the next few moments, right? Jesus claimed to be the only person that was truly worthy to be worshiped as God. That's what separates Jesus from everyone else. Jesus was bigger than great figures. You know, Gandhi said, Jesus, I like. It's the Christian I don't like. And and Gandhi, who was a, a very great man, he used his abilities to lead people, to bring about great civil change in in London. But Gandhi still needed a savior. You know that, right? Do you know that every other person in history still needed a savior? If you look at the truth, this is what separates Christianity from all other religions and philosophies. In other words, Jesus, if there is a good God, and how could there be a mean, angry God that would lack perfection? Here's why God has to be good. It's because it's part of perfection. And if there was a good God, that good God would meet a few tests that would reveal why he's worthy. I wanna give you three today. So Jesus did a few things that separated him from everyone else. Number one, he identified. Jesus identified with all of humanity. His identification is what distinguishes him from the pack of all the spiritual leaders. Because even though he was the son of the living God, he came down. He went from the cradle to the grave. If you don't think that Jesus understands, I want you to know Jesus fully understands. Jesus walked in our shoes in totality. Look at what the Bible says about who Jesus was. It says, we do not have a high priest who's unable to sympathize or empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one, listen to this, who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. In other words, Jesus didn't help us from an ivory tower. Jesus didn't help us from a distance. Jesus didn't say, I I want you to live the way I tell you, but not the way I lived. Okay, Jesus came and he became one of us. He was a born of a virgin, the Bible tells us, as the son of the most high God. Maybe you might say, well, I'm a one percenter. I've been born with a silver spoon in my mouth. I don't understand how people feel like they need God. Well, I've got news for you. Jesus understands you. And Jesus knows glory and riches and and majesty in a way that you have no, no understanding of because Jesus left, left the palace of heaven. He emptied himself. He he set himself, He set all of that aside and came down for the purpose of identification. You couldn't go lower, but he went as low as a God could go for the sake of his love. How many are thankful that he came to identify? Maybe maybe you've, you've, you grew up on the rough side of the tracks. Maybe you've lived uh, uh, on the street with lower uh, uh, Wacker Drive. Maybe you've, you've seen the worst of the worst. I've got news for you. When Jesus, the King, the Son of the living God was born, he wasn't born in a palace. He came from a palace. He wasn't born in a house. He wasn't born in a hotel. He was born in a manger with animals to say, I am with everyone. Anybody who's rejected, I came to be with you. And I came to lift you up. I came to transform you. I came to bless you. I came to help you. Hallelujah. Nobody identified like Jesus. Imagine how far he was willing to stoop down just to say, I know. If you're a Christian and you sometimes feel like man i want to do better or you know sometimes we get into this works mindset which look it's all by the power walking with god is all by the power of god just know if you failed if you have made some mistakes some things you're 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 kind of ashamed of i just want you to know he's a sympathetic savior he's a sympathetic savior imagine God willing to become one of us. No one else in all of history was able to do that. Only Jesus. Number two, he sacrificed. Everybody say he sacrificed. sacrificed. His sacrifice is the essence of the cross. That's why we can sing... His mercy spoke for me, his punishment for my peace, his punishment for your peace. Jesus offered himself as a sacrifice, and the sacrifice of, 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 of Christ it highlights his heart for people, for humanity. The, the fact that he allowed himself to be brutally treated and then crucified shows how much he loves us. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. He is a merciful judge. Okay, he is a merciful judge. So where is justice? I'm telling you where the justice was. The justice was right on the cross. Jesus paid the price, the full price for your failure, for my failure, for failure past and failure future. It was an eternal sacrifice. He said, I love them so much. I have so much mercy. I'm not gonna give them what they deserve. How many are thankful we don't get what we deserve when we accept Jesus? We get mercy I'm the merciful judge, hallelujah. <clears throat> Who else is merciful like that? With his very own life, Jesus offered his life and he was sacrificed. And look, you and I have always had a moment or two when we admired someone wherever you, wherever you live in Philadelphia, Okay, in Florida, if you're watching, wherever you're watching from, you and I have always admired someone else's sacrifice. But I want you to know there was no sacrifice like the sacrifice of Christ. And he was the only one. As I was preparing this message, I was thinking about, um, we actually pastored in Omaha for a short while. And I remember it was during a choir rehearsal during the week, a guy walks into the church And very impressive guy. He had um, really clear, like piercing eyes. And then he had like this silver hair and he was quoting the book of Isaiah to me. Like he had the whole book of Isaiah memorized. It was like unbelievable. And, um, but he had a a cast on his arm and as he was quoting these verses, he says to me, "Um, do you know? What those verses, Isaiah 58, 55, I forget. And he said, You know who that was talking about? I said, Yes, Jesus, the Messiah. And he goes, That is I. I am He. And I said, Brother, I'm from Brooklyn. <laughs> and Jesus don't wear no cast. So. <laughs> Jesus died to heal broken bones, hallelujah. Jesus died to heal broken lives and broken marriages and broken hearts and broken minds. Come on, let's praise him, hallelujah, for the merciful judge. He was sacrificed and he gave his all. And listen, sacrifice is great, but only his sacrifice was enough. In other words, you can identify and you can sacrifice. In 19, the late 70s, Jane Byrne was the mayor of Chicago. And right before the upcoming election, she and her husband actually moved into um, a Cabrini high-rise. Any Cabrini how many know Cabrini Green and all that? Yeah, most of you do. There were these, these projects that have uh, since been knocked down Very, very difficult um, place to live. And so they moved in and everybody knew that was a short-term move in. How many know she was gonna be there for a little while? (laughs) You know? And as it turns out, she still lost the race. For some reason, what she did was just not enough. It didn't convince the people. You know, And can I tell you something? Sometimes people sincerely try to sacrifice and they try to do certain things and maybe you're here and you could try to be good and you can try to please God and try to live a good life. And even though we sacrifice and it's good to make that effort, let me tell you something, our sacrifice is just not enough. Just not enough. It could be good, but it's not enough. You see, and this is, where, this is where the last test is of immense importance, eternal importance. Jesus identified and he sacrificed. But what Jesus did that no one else could do is he conquered. And when he conquered, when he rose from the dead, Jesus conquered sin and death. Death is our greatest enemy. When you die, you face judgment. Death death is, is when you die, you will stand for how you lived, for the words you said, for the choices that you made. All will stand before the judgment seat of God. You understand? And Jesus went to the cross and he died. But then on the third day, he rose from the dead in power. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! When Jesus rose from the dead, he conquered our greatest enemy. He conquered death, and he conquered sin, and he conquered the effects of it all today and forever. Jesus is the total conqueror. He didn't win just a partial victory. He didn't win just a political victory. He didn't win a a legal victory. It was a total conquering of everything that ails you. It opened the door for freedom, for life, for joy for peace, for restoration. Hallelujah. So you walk into a church like this on Sunday and say, why are these people singing and shouting so much? You know why people sing and shout? It's because they've experienced freedom. Hallelujah. Freedom in the name of Jesus. We have X everything in our church. You name it. We got it. Why? Because there was a God who came to this earth to be one of us. And though he was perfect and never sinned, he went to the cross to save all of us. In other words, the next time you think you're unworthy or someone else is unworthy, I just want you to know, Justice was served on the cross and anyone who will accept the power of the love of God, they are made worthy by the shed blood on the cross because he conquered. Look at what the Bible says and we're gonna close in a moment. The Bible says, where O death? I love this. Where O death is your victory? See, when you become a Christian, even when someone passes, you weep because you miss them on earth, but you know you're gonna be joined together with them in heaven. Hallelujah, we're just passing through. How many know? Because he rose from the dead, we're just passing through. Hallelujah. Where, O death, is your victory? Where? Oh, death is your, uh, is your sting. The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us victory. How? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Could we praise God for the victory of rising from the dead. <laughs> Hallelujah. And here's what that means. His total victory made it possible for you and I to be totally free like maybe you you grow up in generations of alcoholism drug drug addiction I don't know generations of racism generations of, of of anger generations of selfishness it doesn't matter it doesn't matter The Bible says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, new start. Men don't know how to love because they never receive love. They can learn how to love when they receive Jesus in their heart because God is love. People who can't seem to get free, you know, People who can't, who are like addicted to this or addicted to that, they're like, there's no way to break this addiction. Let me tell you, Jesus, when Jesus moves in, he drives all the bondage out. Hallelujah. All other philosophy, all other religion is outside trying to get in. Christianity is Jesus gets in and then he changes all the outsides. That's the way it works. And look, there's the test. He identified, he became one of us, even though he was the son of the most high God. He sacrificed, he was not guilty, but he took our guilty place so that now we can be declared not guilty. Number three, he rose from the dead in power. If his power could conquer sin and death, how many know his power can change anything you and I are facing in Philadelphia, online, and in this room? How many believe that? How many know his power is able? What do you say? What do you say about Jesus? it requires a personal revelation. Jesus didn't die so that you can go to church once a year and we're happy that you're here. Christmas and Easter, we call them Christers, yes. Thank you for coming. But can I tell you something? Jesus wants you to take him away in your heart with you. Jesus wants to be at the dinner table with you. Jesus wants to be there when the dark night comes and you're like, man, I've been alone for so long and all of a sudden you're aware of one who sticks closer than a brother. Jesus wants to be there when you're tempted to do something wrong and then you're like, I don't have the strength in me and your teeth are rattling and all of a sudden there's the power of the Holy Spirit that says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But it starts with the choice.